Welcome back, Yin and Yang listeners. We're uh, here with our special guest, uh, Matthew. Do you prefer Matt or Matthew or Maddie or? Um, it, Maddie is fine. Maddie, I think it's just okay. so much easier and 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 a way cuter. So <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> that totally fine. Yeah, um, and Maddie Beavers. Yeah. Yay! Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Maddie Thank Beavers you. Uh, is currently an MFA student at uh, USC uh, studying cinema cinematography. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you guys. Right on, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, if for our listeners, if you didn't just see like D Dan and Maddie were giving the, the, the secret USC sign or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> B for victory. Yeah. B for victory. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh i met i met matt back at csun when he was doing your his undergrad um yes. and uh studying uh film production i believe film mine actually was television production oh, television oh. production yeah okay but very similar very similar yeah so uh film tv uh so tv production i was doing the master's program in screenwriting at the time but uh mm -hmm. our our degree allowed us to take an undergraduate uh, class so i met him in a directing class actually yep. and i you know we hit it off him and i met his friend uh, alex we all we all hit it off and um yeah. yeah i just been keeping up uh keeping on and off uh up to date with maddie's life or on his instagram which uh, I'll, I'll link below in the description um definitely check it out he gives a lot of great advice about cinematography, filmmaking, and also sharing like you know snippets from his life. Very cool, interesting stuff, especially for anyone that's interested in film or just you know wants to just follow a cool person. You should check out uh, Maddie's uh, Instagram and uh, website. So yeah, without further ado, yeah, how you been? You, I've been, been good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just literally finished uh, my semester at USC, oh. so I have one more to go. Um, but I've been kind of, uh, I feel my senior thesis this last semester. So I've been super busy, um, with that. And so it's nice to finally slow down. Classes are done, uh, finals are turned in. So I think right now I'm just going to try to take it slow and kind of just hide out for a little bit until next semester. <laughs> cool. Man. Are you from Southern California? Um, I actually grew up in Camarillo, California. So like okay. Ventura County, but I was yeah. born in Fresno area. Right. Uh, specifically Tulare. So I kind of grew up in the Central Valley, but oh. second grade on until like freshman year of high school, I lived in Camarillo. So I kind of have uh, roots in several places, I guess. Nice. Yeah. And your family. Um, so you. So Camarillo. So you split your time uh, between Camarillo and uh, Central Valley as a kid or. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of did. Yeah. yeah. A lot like the my dad's side of the family. Uh, hugely lives in like the Fresno area. Okay. And then Camarillo was more of kind of closer towards my mom's side of the family, the Filipino okay. side. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. And your so your dad is uh, African-American and your mom is Filipino? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Correct. Okay. Did you, did, did she speak Tagalog to you at all growing up or? Uh, you know, I, I wish <laughs> um, <laughs> it, my mom was the last child of seven to be born in the Philippines. So oh. when she was two years old, they migrated to California. And at that point in time, my grandma, my grandpa, they 100% assimilated to the American experience and culture. Um, so she didn't speak it, she understood. Um, and it actually wasn't Tagalog, the main one, they spoke Ilocano, which is kind of like the sub or one of the the second largest uh, languages spoken 
in the Philippines, but mm. I didn't get to learn any of that, unfortunately, because my mom didn't learn it. And so it was kind of lost, unfortunately. Mm. But you're, you're learning Japanese now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Which is like completely different. Um, yes, I, I have been learning Japanese um, for two years and I've taken a break because of school, but I, I know a little bit of Japanese, which is pretty cool. Right. Where are you taking classes? <laughs> yeah, where are you taking classes? Right? Yeah. So the first year I studied all by myself through apps. Um, uh -huh. and then I bought a couple of books, uh, a couple of children's books. So I kind of learned as far as my uh my own kind of will to learn would take right. me. And then after that, I wanted to continue to learn more. And so there's this app called italki on my phone. And uh, I downloaded that and I got to meet a sensei and uh, Ayaka sensei is her name. She was my uh, teacher for an entire year. So we had conversations. It was like one-on-one -on -one over Zoom. It was during COVID. So it was like perfect timing because <laughs> what what else is there better to do? Um, you know, so I, I kind of really dove into the language at that point. That's pretty cool. I, I, yeah. I got to take that down, italki, because I know, yes. yeah, my cousin's like interested in learning Chinese and Japanese. So mm -mm. Yeah, it's a great app because you get to like see the instructors. They have ratings. Um, they have a little introduction video, so you can really get a sense of like who you're going to be sitting down with uh, every day or however often that you decide to study. And then is is your interest in learning Japanese because of your love of anime? Because I see Goku flying <laughs> in the background. <laughs> I did that on purpose because I had a feeling we would talk about that. Um, and I, that is kind of the reason um, why I'm into learning Japanese. And I guess. For me, it all started when I was a kid. A lot of us in Northern America growing up, uh, our introduction to Japanese culture, to whatever uh, Japan was, um, was through anime. So that's like everyone or a lot of my friends and myself, obviously, uh, that's our entry point. So right. growing up, I was just like, oh, Japan is anime. And that's exactly what it is. And that's all <laughs> that it is, you know, um, to a kid, a teenager, but then growing up, you start to realize, wow, the culture is beautiful. The food is amazing. The land is is impressive. Um, and so you just start to realize there's so many layers to what Japan is. It's not just anime. Right. Um, and that's when I really fell in love with it. And, you know, I to the point so much so, um, I, I still want to live there. I would love to still um, visit, of course, but I, I think the idea of living um, in a place that has evolved in my mind would be really, really awesome. So... Yeah, I, yeah. I think that the experience might be a little bit different. Um, yeah. with different people. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, it varies I, for sure. But houses are very affordable right now. Yes, <laughs> especially yeah. in the countryside. So if you if you're willing to like hoof it and just like rough it a little bit in the countryside outside of Tokyo, outside of the major cities, mm -hmm. I think you can get like a decent house for like a hundred thousand or something like that. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. see, there you go. Even more reason. Yeah, I mean the rent I'm paying right now, uh, it is like cheaper than most rent, uh, because I'm okay. kind of like in the, where am I? I guess I'm sl slightly Inaka, slightly countryside. I'm in I'm mm. in a city called Tsumie, and uh, basically okay. it's um, it's between Osaka and it's it's geographically is between Osaka and Tokyo, and it's okay. it's still two hundred eighty thousand people, but it's like really spread out. Like the, oh, the area cool. is large, the city's really large. So it's there's 
you know, um, you're you're not getting like pack streets like Tokyo or anything like that. Um, right, right. But yeah, I'm paying like what five? What's what's that show? So because the yen is so weak right now, I, I'm paying maybe like 400 US a month for rent. Oh, wow. You know, for a one bedroom. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's comfortable That's enough so cool. that I can live with my fiance actually. So it's it's large mm-hmm. enough for that. So whoa cheap dirt cheap okay <laughs> like, well, compared yeah. to la um right. so yeah i mean yeah yeah if you go to japan yeah i would definitely like visit um you can try you know you can try the program i'm on the, the teaching program mm-hmm. on if you're interested in that um yeah. or if you want to continue if you can do it through like an artist visa or something because because of your background right. that'd be mm-hmm. pretty awesome and then yeah, maybe get your foot in the door in the Japanese film industry a little bit. That'd be dope too. Yeah, yeah definitely that's the idea I, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think you know everyone's. That's like the thing is like everyone's trying to like do cross promotions and like yep like international stuff together. And yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So if you hear of anything, James. Like <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think. It's not like. I mean, we know of people, right? Like, I have a cousin who's like in the film industry or the TV production industry in Japan, mm-hmm. but he works late nights. I never, I haven't talked to him uh, in a while. But mm-hmm. if I, if I, if he comes to LA <laughs> to visit, which he plans on doing next year, okay. I'll, I'll definitely like ask and grill him for questions and like contacts yeah, and stuff. I would yeah. be so thankful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I want to meet this cousin too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> He's in Tokyo uh, somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I have to reach oh, out I, to him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Uh. As a kid, like growing up, did mm-hmm. you know that you wanted to get into film, or like, uh, did you did or like, what was, I guess, what were you into as a kid growing up in, in Fresno Camarillo mm-hmm. area? Yeah. 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 Um. Growing up as a kid, the film industry was not a thing. I literally thought, like, this was all the way up until maybe like 16, 17. I thought movies just existed. I didn't know there were people called <laughs> filmmakers that made them. Um, and that's, you know, mainly because growing up in areas where there is no film industry, there's an agriculture industry. Um, yeah. And that was just everything that I knew. If if my friends and family weren't working in the fields, they were um, in like the justice system um, as parole officers or police officers. Or, or teachers so it was just something that just wasn't a thing so me growing up as a kid I wanted to be an athlete I did football basketball and track growing up oh. um, and so I was like oh cool you know I'm going to be this professional athlete because most of like the community um, growing up was like oh yeah we have a lot of like athletes so that was just the one thing that I could latch on to as a kid so um, it wasn't until much later that I find out like until probably community college right before CSUN, maybe a year or so before I transferred that I actually found out that there's schools that teach filmmaking. Um, So yeah, I was super late to the game, which I think it worked out great because um, I just have a much more profound understanding of it. And it wasn't such a fantasy. It wasn't something that like I would probably die out um, as I got older and maybe got more jaded. So I think I have, uh, I think the entry point for filmmaking was like perfect in my life is there a movie was it like a, a specific movie? Yeah, yeah was it yeah right um it's a <laughs> there is a movie but i guess because i was so late to understanding the process of filmmaking and what it is my love for movies came from the emotions that i got from watching films from leaving the theater as a kid and being like wow that world is like now over the credits roll over it so 
the movie that like I, I kind of tell everyone and everyone kind of laughs, but it's called, it's a movie called iRobot with Will Smith came out in like oh, yes. early, yeah, <laughs> came out in the early 2000s. Um, and for some reason, whatever it was, that one film watching it uh, in the theaters when it ended, I was really, really sad. Um, and I couldn't describe it. I couldn't understand why. Um, but in hindsight, looking back at it, it's because of the world building that happened, in, mm. you know, in films. And so when I watched the movies, it was just like, I felt like I was in this world in a time and place that was not my world. It felt better. It was like a utopia. Um, so it wasn't like, um, right now I'm a cinematographer. So it wasn't the cinematography. It wasn't like um, the sound. It wasn't the the picture. It was like literally the story and the world that was created. So um, I attribute a lot of to where I am today because of that film, which is pretty funny. It's not an accredited, um, like a, a huge film critically acclaimed. So, yeah. No, I get that. It's kind of like, um, I know when I first watched uh, anime, like one of my first mm. animes was Evangelion. Neon Genesis oh, nice. Evangelion. Yeah. And mm. I, after the series ended, I was like, I, I, what you know even though it's mm -hmm. like you said it feels like a utopian even though it's a dystopian future yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's like you still want to live with these characters you want you still want to yes. see where they where they go so that's why mm -hmm. i was a huge fan and i kept like watching all the like the movies and the remakes but i don't know there's something about watching it for the first time watching a great film or series mm -hmm. for the first time and wanting to live with those characters and when the, when it ends it's it's kind of bittersweet isn't it like yeah yeah it really is especially you know like if if you're a younger kid and you you know you don't see more than what the film actually is you just know it as this world that exists and then when it ends you're like well the only way i can find that feeling again is in that same film or just keep watching films that kind of replicate that feeling and emotion and like keep searching for it so i think that's mm -hmm. where i was when i was trying to find an answer like how do they do this why is this a thing and is it possible to be done and then sure enough it is <laughs> <laughs> what uh what drew you to specifically cinematography or like mm -hmm. was it like first you kind of explored okay films are actually made by human beings mm -hmm. wow it's not like god you're like or gods or right right yeah yeah so <laughs> and so you discovered that uh maybe a few a few a year before CSUN, a few years before csun or before your community college right and then mm -hmm. so in community college did you just explore all the different elements of filmmaking or what were you doing there yeah yeah uh community college there was not a film program there there wasn't a film program in my high school so when i found out that filmmaking was a thing and there is an institution where you can learn um I, I started to look inward at my school and the closest thing to it was um journalism so I became a sports editor where I went out and I documented sports and I wrote stories about that and so um that was the closest that I could get to the things that I really wanted to learn which was like directing and producing um and then I guess a little bit cinematography and I didn't really know too much about that until I met my our friend Alex mm. um, at CSUN so that's kind of I just found my resources at the community college and the, like I said the closest thing was journalism and so I kind of had to just um, make that the best that I could even though I hated writing I hated <laughs> doing interviews I was so nervous I was like <laughs> I was like the only person in the sports editing um, like section of the newspaper so everything relied heavily on me oh. uh, but it was really cool to see the hustle that I had and like how much I was doing something indirectly that was kind of directly pointing me in the direction that I would eventually uh, end up at. Nice. Cool. 
And then so at CSUN where we met, like when I met you, um, I think what year was that was like 2016, 2017, yeah. maybe? Yeah. It might have been like the last year. Um for you, right? Okay. For me, yeah. Yeah. So because you transferred, by... so then you mm -hmm. you were at CSUN for like three two, three years? Uh two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half, two and a half okay. years to be exact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was like your last-ish year. And then like, mm -hmm. where where were you feel, like how were you feeling at that point in your life? We were like, okay, oh, cinematography, I'm all in. Or you're like, um, this is kind of cool. Um, let me explore it more. Like where where were you at? Like, yeah, not to put words right. in your mouth, but like where were you at? Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, great, great, good question. Um, For me, I, I think I was all in as soon as I okay. found out that cinematography <laughs> was a thing. Um. Is my friend Alex was like, Oh, you like photography, so maybe you would like cinematography. And I was like, What the heck is that? Yeah. And he was like, just think of it like taking 24 photos a second. And so <laughs> I was doing photography before that, you know, I was telling you I was a sports editor. Um, so my idea of taking a photo and like kind of lighting at that point as a photographer, I thought was really difficult. Um, and so when he when my friend Alex, our friend Alex told me about cinematography. I was like, my first question to him was like, how do you light moving things? Like, how does that, how does that even work? Is that even possible? And mm -hmm. so I think that kind of question really drove me to figure out how to do lighting and how to be a cinematographer. Um, and it also helps too, that when I was growing up, I was like, I love technology. I think the first thing I ever bought myself was a cell phone and I was 14 years old off of eBay. Um, um, and I always loved computers. Um, and so I think the technology aspect of cameras and kind of like the, the techiness of it, whatever, uh, really made it super easy to blend in the world of like storytelling and like visual storytelling to be exact. So it was a wonderful segue for me. It just totally worked out. And um, yeah, I think that's when I knew I was like, this is it. I don't care about directing. I don't care about producing. I'm going to mm. do this thing called cinematography that I can't really pronounce well. My parents have never heard of it. Um, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. So after discovering cinematography, is there like a movie that you go, oh, that thing is just so beautifully shot? Or are there like several movies, I'm sure, that are like, oh, I, I just got to watch that over and over again because it's so beautiful. Right. Um, at the time, honestly, um, I think I was more like I said, that burning question of how do you light moving subjects? So yeah. I really wasn't into like critically acclaimed, beautiful films. Um, I think really for me, it was like the huge blockbusters. <laughs> My mm -hmm. mind was just like, how in the world do they do this with the green screen and light it? Um, so I really looked up to a lot of films like in the Marvel universe um, uh -huh. at that point in time. And that was kind of like, for me, that was like the Super Bowl. That was just kind of like, that is the pinnacle of what the cinematography thing could evolve into. Mm. Um, so at first it was just like, I was just so technical about it. Like, what is right. this like? Oh, what kind of light is it? Is it hard? Is it soft? High key, um, you know, low key lighting. So I think at that point in time, it was just mainly like just figuring it out. Um, not necessarily understanding like the, the science behind it or like, how does it line up with the story? Uh, it was just like, Okay, that's where that light is. That's where they put that, if that makes sense. Yeah, but um, what about now? Are are you still thinking like, oh, MCU <laughs> movies are like the pinnacle of, of technology and cinematography? Yeah, Martin Scorsese has something to say about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. Um, at this point, um, you know, I I honestly still am like 
very interested in doing films that live in the Marvel universe. Um, and I think even more so now because I understand the technology that it takes and I understand the mm. technique and the dance that happens between beautiful visual storytelling um, films like stuff that Roger Deakins does. Um, ah, yeah, Deakins, or, yeah. You know, right? Um, and so like my thing is just how do I marry beautiful visuals like that that are that are unique and that are very special into a world that is very formulaic and that is very technical, right. such as Marvel. Um, and recently, I don't know if y'all have seen um, Black Panther to Wakanda Forever. Yes. Um, yeah. One of my favorite films, and it's such a beautiful film. Um, the cinematographer, yeah. Autumn Durald Arkapal, is Filipino uh, woman. And oh, she's wow. Probably one of, yeah, she's one of my favorites. She's from uh, Palo Alto. She grew up in that area. Oh, hey, uh, Bay Area. Um, what's up? Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kid, yeah. yeah. Yep. I figured. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I think right now I am definitely interested in that, but also I just want to marry the two. Like I, I would love to be known, um, for having work similar to what Autumn Durald does. She's mm. a huge, uh, believer and user of anamorphic lenses. Um, mm. and I think that might've been the first time that I can remember that a Marvel film used anamorphic lenses or leaned into it that heavily. So anamorphic, um, just just for our listeners, that is that two point three five by is that two point three five or what? Yeah. What? Okay, so that's yeah, for our listeners. That's like, basically uh, what is that? Oh yeah, if you could explain. It's like the quick. yeah, it's like the really skinny uh, frame. It's it's not very tall. It's it's much longer than it is taller. Um, and if you're really familiar with J.J. Uh, Abrams and Star mm. Wars, the way the signature way you can kind of tell and notice a anamorphic lens is either the shape of the bokeh which is the out of focus lights they're going to look very ovular like an oval or you're going to see light streaks like there's going to be a streak of light that like runs all oh. the way across the the, the frame um mm. so it, it's it's a it's an effect it's an emotion it's something that um was brought up in like what was it i think the 40s or 50s i could be wrong about that but um the reason why they have anamorphic was because TV kind of came out um, and a lot of people stopped going to the theaters. Uh, so filmmakers thought we need to have something that is very unique, very different to get people out of their houses. And uh, there were some engineers that came up with anamorphic lenses, which stretch the image where you get yeah. films like Ben-Hur um, and you have films that are just like huge and long. So yeah, um, yeah I, I just admire Autumn for using stuff like that techniques like that um to a world that i said is is like, it's like really formulaic like marvel you go there and you think oh it's this huge spectacle it's very commercial it's very uh predictable but then you have a cinematographer like autumn that comes in and shapes the world in a completely different way um mm. while also maintaining all of these technical um kind of approaches that you have to have when you're dealing with these made up imaginum you know imaginative imaginative worlds yeah yeah <laughs> I know for the, I was I don't know if you guys had the same feeling but I was surprised how emotional I got in that movie like yeah because same. well also with like the real life background of like yeah correct with, with you know Ch Chadwick man he passed away mm -hmm. like in real life you know right when I heard that I was like no way because he like just from his interviews mm -hmm. just from his performance in the you know that I've seen he seems like just a really like good dude, you know, like yes. a really, yeah. Like, and right. you know, he was talking about how he was speaking to like cancer 
like uh, children mm-hmm. cancer patients and that we're waiting we're trying to hold out for the film you know for the first yeah. black panther so with that background going in and then watching mm-hmm. the film i was like really surprised that this marvel movie like made me cry like yeah right. like no, yeah, no yeah. joke yeah because like no, for sure. even with that last scene like now that i think about it i think you're right like that av- it's interesting because you think an- anthropom uh uh, uh, you know, <laughs> anthropomorphic lenses. Anamorphic, um, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anamorphic, sorry. Ana- not, not like they're not like like a live lenses, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, those lenses, even you, you usually think of them as for spectacle, but then she had mm-hmm. a scene where um, uh, she was film. Uh, Autumn was filming. Uh, just the the main uh, Letitia Wright, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. that that actress, she was just sitting on a beach crying and using that kind of big that big you know you think Mm -hmm. it's like usually for spectacle but just this very private intimate moment but using that kind of you know large screen and it's just Mm -hmm. it's interesting because then you sit with it right right and you sit with it you're literally sitting in it because it's so huge the screen right but you're you're in it and you're with it and I, mm-hmm. I found that very interesting for a Marvel film. Um, I think there, I think there is a space. You know, um, I understand what Scorsese, what Mark Scorsese was saying, how they, they're amusement mm-hmm. parks, right? And I yep. understand that because in a way, they cried, they crowd out the market, the film market, for yeah. everyone just wants superhero movies, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's harder for oh, yeah. independent, like smaller films, to get in, find a place. Um, yeah. So I think there might be a space for. I don't know if you agree with this, but I think there might be a space for trying to it's tough though because i'm i'm a little bit on the scorsese side i kind of agree with him but (laughs) yeah at at the same time though i i can see how it's kind of like all these people who work for like maybe very maybe people who are very progressive they might say but they work for maybe major companies like apple or whatever and they try to change from within they train try to change these huge Mm. companies or these huge systems from within so i think that might be a space i think that's also why you see with even shang chi that director he's um he uh uh he did a a film called short term 12 before Mm. and that director he he started independent filmmaking same with chloe zhao who also did the internals so i think there might be a space for um creative voices or or or, you know independent creative you know uh filmmakers to Mm. maybe you know add their spin to like this huge franchise and also Mm. in a way maybe help help other help people also introduce them to uh, like some of the previous films and some of the smaller works that they've done. Cause right. I don't know. I still miss that. I don't know if you <clears throat> still feel that way, but I, I kind of miss cause I, I fell in love with film with like independent, like films, like right. more films. I that were, films. Yeah. MCU mm-hmm. movies are not going to, they cater towards like a certain audience, right? You're yeah, not right. going to get to, to. Yeah. yeah. You're not yeah. going to get the people from the Midwest or, you know, the flyover country or flyover parts of the States or the United States. Who are mm. gonna go like you know what I want to go watch like an Akira Kurosawa movie? You're not gonna do right. that, you know. No matter even they might be fans of oh. Black Panther or Wakanda Forever, they're not gonna go back and and see some of the independent stuff if the story mm. is not universal right. or that they can't relate in some way. Mm. But I'd be right. very curious, Maddie, to see what mm. you think of um Avatar: Way of the Water because oh. that's gonna be like another technical achievement, right? Because it's right, absolutely, gotten water or whatever it is, and I haven't seen mm. it myself, but I, I'd be very curious to see what you have to say about that after you watch it. Yeah, I would love to have another conversation about that because I'm gonna go see it in the morning tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> yeah. 
just got my tickets today. But um, yeah, you know, I, the technical feats that these films and filmmakers come up with and have to create really inspire me. Um, like I said, my passion for cinematography started from like a technical side of things. So right. um, that is always the driving force for me. Um, and I, you know, as I've, as I've navigated through the world of cinematography, I've, I've picked up and I've learned to appreciate, um, you know, the visual storytelling elements of it. And, you know, like why do certain images, certain frames make people feel these ways? So that's always kind of like, um, with me, along with me on the journey, as I try to figure out, um, and look for challenges that are technical. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because my 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 friend, my other friend, who's also a cinematographer, he he made an interesting point how like cinematography is kind of like that intersection between technology and art, right? Because mm -hmm. you're you're working with the you know with like cameras, a lot of technical equipment, but at the same right. time, how can you translate that to uh, artistic vision? So I I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you absolutely? Yeah. Are you are you working as an AC at all as well, or or you're just focusing on your studies right now, or are you um, working professionally right now too? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I do a lot of freelancing work, so a lot of my stuff I do with like small businesses, um, companies. Um, so I'm kind of like the one man band where I do everything, um, from filming to directing to editing to sound. Um, which is cool, but um, outside of like my own personal stuff, I only actively search for cinematography roles. Um, mm. it, sometimes I feel like pretentious and I feel like I need to <laughs> like I need to like just take this AC job because I could get money, you know, more money from it or whatever. Right. Um, but I, I'm at this point of my life and my filmmaking career where all I want to <clears throat> do is just cinematography. Like I don't want to spend a moment not doing it unless it's for mm. my own personal kind of business on the side um, gotcha. which is cool because a lot of my friends are like okay great i know that 100 percent. like this is the only thing you want to do um but at the same time too it's like it's it's a very saturated market it's very interesting and i'm still trying to figure out how to get my foot into the door um which gives me an, another reason to be so excited to graduate finally so that i can like invest all of my energy in just like looking for work outside of school because during school i i've been prioritizing school and the yeah. projects that come with it and it's been tough to try to balance and like a lot of the times i feel like i'm looking around at all my peers that are either graduated from film school or never went and they're they're doing jobs they're shooting commercials they're shooting right. music videos and i'm just like when is it going to be my turn you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know so i feel so anxious and i'm very excited for it but uh yeah uh -huh. So film school, yay or nay? You know, <laughs> it switches every That's 10 a, minutes. It, it's it's a hard question, right? Yeah. It is, yeah. You know, and uh, the first thing I always tell everyone, though, is you don't need to go to film school. Like, that shouldn't be a priority um, if you really, really know that you love filmmaking and that's something you want to pursue. You know, to the kids that grew up like myself and maybe like you guys possibly, filmmaking might not have even been a thing, an option. So me going into the film industry without any prior uh, schooling or knowledge would have been a very tough world to navigate, you know? Um, so having a structured sound kind of a program and approach to filmmaking for me personally, it worked out. Um, right. I think I, I don't, I wouldn't be here where I am today if it wasn't for film school, but that, you know, that's, that's just my story. And I can only kind of speak to myself right. about that. <clears throat> 
And were there other um, options? Was USC your top choice or did you have like backups? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of kind of laugh because USC was the only school I applied to. And I told myself what? if I don't get into USC, yeah, <laughs> then I would cry and then figure it out and probably apply to like Loyola Marymount or some other. Um, which is a good school. Yeah, small, which are all great schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know. No shade to any of the schools, but <laughs> honestly, I it was on a whim. I was like, if I'm gonna apply to to get my master's, I'm just gonna apply to the best school. Will I get in? I have no idea. I had really, I had a super low GPA. I think I had like a two point three coming out of uh, CSUN. Wow! And uh, right, <laughs> I know. And so I was like, this is this is a dream. And if I don't get in, I know exactly why. Um, and then sure enough, you know, I applied and I got in and I was like, I can't believe that the first <laughs> school that I applied to, I got into with these grades and my credentials. Um, but I think that's a testament to film schools as well. And a lot of people, I don't think really realize this and I can speak to this because I, I uploaded a video on my YouTube channel of me reading my personal statement, um, upon the, um, the application, so I think a lot of people don't realize that it's, I don't think USC or probably any film school really looks at your grades. And this is probably only for the master's program. Let me preface that. Okay. Um, yeah, let me preface that. Um, but I don't think they look at the grades. It's more of like who you are as an individual and like where you see yourself fitting in or not necessarily fitting in, but what stories do you see yourself telling um, as you become a filmmaker and as you begin to learn more about the process. So um, if there's any encouragement for anyone that's listening or watching or interested on going to get your master's for film, um, grades shouldn't be in you know your your worry. Or even if you're coming from a background that is not filmmaking, um, if you're interested in telling stories and you have a unique way of seeing stories and telling them, um, I, I think it's worth applying. So, what are the reasons for going to film school? I yeah, mean, yeah. Can you give us a taste of that statement? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, for, I have a, I always have, I always give this first little answer. Um, the, the first reason why I want to go to, um, get my master's degree in filmmaking is just so that I can teach at a college level. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be a, a teacher, professor. And before even applying to get my master's degree, I was a high school teacher for two years and I taught video production to all of the high school grades. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. So, and it was an incredible experience. Um, I, I still talk to some of my students to this day and I learned a lot about myself as a filmmaker and just as a human being in general, like how I interact with people. Um, and I quickly learned like, okay, high school was great. Teaching is absolutely everything I want to do, but I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel about sitting in on these parent meetings. Um, you know, I'm only like, I was 28, 27 at the time. And so <laughs> parents were looking at be like are you sure you're not a student as well oh. <laughs> you know and you know I could kind of feel that amongst other faculty as well um so I thought you know what I want to go back to get my master's degree and I would love to teach at college institute um obviously the money is better for sure that has that was absolutely one of my motives I will shamelessly um say that um but uh, the, the conversations that you get in the college classroom are completely different um, than I would in a high school classroom. Um, and it's much more focused, um, especially if I want to, you know, if I'm able to teach cinematography. So that was really the main driving force was just to get my teaching credentials in the future. 
and then also the network that comes with you know going to a prestigious school like USC. Are you making use of that network? Because it's pretty important. I mean, I went to business school at USC and mm -hmm. I didn't realize the the main reason you're there, right? Mm -hmm. It's not because of the education you can get anywhere. You, right. know, you can get the same education. It's going to finance is the same at USC mm -hmm. as it is at UCLA or someplace else. But right. when it comes down to it, it's their network. So yes. are you making use of the USC network to go and meet and get jobs or get internships or get the informational interview at least? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I I absolutely am, you know, just um, networking, of course, and, and just keeping in touch. And what I mean by networking is like letting people know a constant reminder that, hey, I'm a cinematographer. And then also like if there's anything that you need help with, whether it be in the cinematography world or not, I'm willing and I'm able to go <clears throat> and do that help for you. Um, and it's always just, you know, creating those relationships and then curating mm -hmm. it and then, you know, nurturing it. And I think that's the way that you properly network. It's not just, hey, I met you, you know, three months ago. Do you remember me? I'm right. looking for work. <clears throat> you know, it's like we've been talking. We've we've had coffee. We've had dinner. We've had laughs, you know, whatever it may be. But it's always just keeping in touch and always constantly um like nurturing that relationship. So I, I feel like I have been doing that as best I possibly can. Um, one aspect where I think I could be better is instead of focusing so much on my peers, it's like also um, isolating and trying to get as much as I can from my professors, which I think um, is probably a no-brainer for a lot of people. But for me, I'm I'm so used to just talking to my peers and I need to create long-lasting relationships with professors as well. Hmm. I think that might be a, a product of being an Asian, or, you know, growing <laughs> up in an Asian background. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I know that uh, I have a problem speaking to authority figures because right. in Chinese culture, it's always about filial piety. You have to respect mm -hmm. your elders and not talk back to them. And it was ingrained in, in me by my dad. Mm -hmm. And then when, when I started doing Kung Fu, it's the same exact thing, right? You don't, <laughs> I see what you're you saying. Don't, talk right. back to your your teacher and just like mm. they say you do and it's right. like no and question asked correct so I, I i get where you're coming from i i think it's probably part of the asian culture that you come with mm -hmm. you know, growing up that way yeah i i agree absolutely and it's 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 cool that you mentioned this because it's, it's i've never really thought about <laughs> it in such a split um, yeah. because that is something that i absolutely learned um from my mom's side yeah you know um my grandma my grandpa always whatever they said it was final and and mm. same with my mom and my parents too but on my african-american side of my dad's side you know i was always taught to question yes. you know like you know so I, there was this like duality that i feel like i'm i'm kind of understanding and learning now that i'm an adult um but yeah it is a real thing and that could be part of it as well absolutely yeah it, it really takes a little bit of thought right and you mm -hmm. have to do some self-reflection and yeah. see what what things that other people are doing and that you don't do and you wonder mm -hmm. why so mm -hmm. are you doing more of the questioning now because as you know, your dad's side i know mm -hmm. that other people from other cultures you know white black whatever it is mm -hmm. they have more of a um this the feeling like why not ask mm -hmm. you know right. i can be i can make those questions or ask those questions and not worry about being reprimanded for that so right are you now like feeling a little bit more comfortable making or asking those questions because you know half of your your childhood growing up is like no asking questions and the other half is like 
ask all the questions because you should. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I I think nowadays I find myself doing more questions and asking and being more um, open to conversation about certain things. Uh Um, But also, you know, going into those conversations, I'm always led by like um, the the Asian side of me. It's like, like, oh, shoot, maybe I shouldn't. And then I try to play it out in my head, like, okay, if I don't, then what else can I do to get the answer, you know, without right. asking those questions? And how yes. do I go about that? You know, it's like, how do you navigate that world? And then I finally come to a decision, you know, like two minutes later, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to ask, Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, whether I get reprimanded or not, I'm just going to do it. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, it, those questions af- come from a, a place of curiosity, especially exactly. in the academic world. And it's, suppo- it's supposed to be like a Socratic method, right? You're supposed mm-hmm. to ask those questions because you're, you're, and you won't get those answers mm-hmm. and sometimes they won't give you the answer them directly and at least you voice it and then you sometimes will answer that question after you voice it right exactly yeah yeah and that's the thing yeah you know i uh, and it happens too where i'll ask the question and then it'll be quickly like dead-ended by like oh like i don't get the answer that i'm looking for or maybe okay. they you know they don't have the time to get it and so at least i've i've thought out okay look if i don't get that answer or if i didn't even ask i at least have some sort of grounding of where to go so right. whether or not i get an answer i at least have my own answer yes. you know mm. yeah so 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 practical question are you taking loans out for usc usc ain't cheap <laughs> as dan knows <laughs> yeah no. oh my gosh um I am taking out loans and this is the biggest number I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, wow, am I going to buy a house? Is that what I'm doing right now? Yeah. Does, this, does this come with a house, you know? <clears throat> oh man. Um, so okay. yeah, I absolutely am. And it was something that I thought very hard about, you know, going into graduate school, which I think everyone should and everyone does when they do to take, decide to take that step. And lucky for me, I have, I had a family friend at the time uh, who he's a lawyer. And before I even applied, you know, I, I, spoke to him and I was like, how did you do it with school loans? Like, how, how are you still living after all that? And, you know, to, to his credit, he was just like, if it's something you really, really love, um, spend the money, take the time, do whatever you need to do, move heaven and earth to get to it. Um, although it may be expensive, um, but if you're going to pay for anything, it better be something that you absolutely love. So mm-hmm. when he gave me that answer in those words of like guidance. It really reassured like, okay, I know I'm going into this huge hole of money, um, but at least it's for something that I know that I love for sure. And I know that can be lucrative as well, you know? So how am I going to pay off these loans? I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really happy to be uh, where I am right now. And, and that's in massive debt. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah. But you're basically making a wager on yourself, right? At exactly. That point. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're not going to wager on yourself, then no one else is going to take a chance on you either. So you exactly. just have to trust who you are and you your really ability do. and your passion for it. And mm-hmm. then it'll, you know, things will just work out the way they work out or they won't, but you, you don't mm-hmm. want to go back you know, when you're 40 or 50 and cut, look back on your life and like, what, what if, you know, right. I, I didn't take a chance. I didn't take a yeah. chance on myself. And you know, what's so cool about that, Dan, like um, it, so much perspective has come from obviously getting older, but graduate school specifically is because it's like, before I did apply, you know, I had those questions of like, well, what, what if I, you know, when I turned 40 and 50, what if I majorly regret this? And that could be a thing. Um, but I'm happy that I decided to take that leap of faith and I think a lot of people owe it to themselves to do that. 
Um, and I think that when you're in that decision-making process, you have to have, you know, you should, hopefully you're in a position where you have people in your corner that have either one gone through the experience or two, at least thought about it. Right. You need some sort of perspective to kind of help you help guide you into that decision. But it's also a very animated themed decision, right? <laughs> it is. Because 100%. yeah, the, the main character is always about like betting on themselves. Yes. Even when nobody else will, you have to like be true to yourself and mm -hmm. know what your passion is and then chase after it because right. you don't, you know, if you don't do it, you don't know, right? Exactly. That's the whole theme well, about anime. Well, mm -hmm. to play yeah. devil's advocate though, I, I do think <laughs> there is also like, then you have this added pressure to, you got to make money. Right, because yes. you have a oh, monthly yeah. you have a monthly thing that you have to pay off each month. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you can like delay payment. Um, right, now. it's are, is it with a uh, what's that company? Is it with that debt company? Um, Sally May. What's that? Sally May Navian. It's actually Navian. Navian, right? Is it still with yeah. Navian? Or they got sued, right? Or I don't know, but I, yeah. Go Anyways, ahead. um, so then there's that added pressure of like you have to make these payments, so yes. you gotta take any job. Mm -hmm. So there, there's that mm -hmm. caveat, right? It's like now you right. have added well, pressure. So it could be good that you need that pressure to like, okay, you need right. get get you need to start doing stuff. But at the same time, you it might also be pressure to like, I gotta focus on more practical make money making jobs first right. versus right. what your YouTube channel, your vlogs, your mm -hmm. your own personal work. Uh, I mean, what what do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, no. I think I think you have to have that practicality of it. Like, yeah, hey, you yeah. have this big number every month just staring at you. Um, and, you know, and again, that's another reason why I wanted to get this degree was because I knew that, hey, look, if the film industry doesn't pan out or I don't end up liking it or whatever, you know, um, I can always teach. Um, and teaching has been, you know, a wonderful experience for me that I've learned in the past. And I know that it's something that I can actually do and not like, pull my hair out every single day going to go do it so you know luckily i have this insurance quote unquote of being able to teach after right. i leave so i know that I, I can get some sort of guaranteed money um to be able to pay off these these loans and manage that debt but i i think you <clears throat> you have thought about it really what you're mm -hmm. going to do what you're passionate about so i think regardless that pressure Mm -hmm. It's going to like be there no matter what. Right. Right. Yeah. Even if yeah. you like don't do this and you go through, you're not yeah. going to like go through life without mm -hmm. any sort of pressure. You're, we're not trust right. fund kids. Right. So exactly. you could be a waiter and still have that pressure of like, I still got to make the rent. Mm -hmm. It's but, exactly same exact pressure. But you know? the thing is like, it's not something you're, you're passionate about waiting yeah. tables <laughs> or whatever have you, you know, what have right. you. But uh, I I forget who which conquistador was, even though conquistador shouldn't be like <laughs> like held up to a high standard. But right. there was one one conquistador who basically burned their, his ships when they landed. It's like we're gonna make the best mm. of what our situation right here. Wow, they're like we're not going back. <laughs> yeah, we're not going back. We're gonna have to hustle and make this work. Correct. Yeah, and you know, I I honestly attribute so much to that mentality. Um, to my grandfather, my on on my Filipino side, my mom's father. This man, yeah. he was he was in um, Pearl Harbor at the time when the bombs or when when the bombs hit and the airplanes were crashing um, on the the ships, the American ships. But he was working in the fields. He was he always went 
over the boat or he took a boat ride to Hawaii and worked to provide for his family. And that's when he knew that he saw an opportunity to help out and get and get citizenship, essentially, to come to America, to give his family a better life. And so I always ask myself, I'm like, okay, my grandpa did this. Like he moved all of us to America. I wouldn't be here without the decision and the pressure that he felt. Like, what am I going to do? And so I always use that as like, okay, this is going to be tough. I have to pay this, you know, X amount of money. Um, but like, how am I doing anything remotely close to what my grandpa did for, for myself and for my future family? And so that's always a huge driving force in every decision that I make. So yeah, it may be scary. Yeah, it might be this, but I'm always like, okay, like I have to live up to what my grandpa did in some way, shape or form. And it's not being a waiter and it's not taking the easy way. This is me really putting pressure on myself, but in a way that I, you know, I can handle it because I'm at least doing something I love. So um, if I can do that, you know, um, I, I think that it's something that anyone else can do. But luckily for me, you know, I just have this story and I have this this uh, history of of people doing incredible things for their family and for themselves. Yeah, we've talked about that in the past, um, coming from immigrant, immigrant families, like the mm -hmm. idea of like moving to another country where you don't, don't speak the language and you don't know anybody. Yep. And you're just like, you're basically put, pushing all your chips into the table and it's like, yeah. this is it. We're going to do it, you mm -hmm. know, and we're going to make the best of it. And it doesn't matter how we're going to do it, but we're just going to hustle and figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Or like yourself, um, I know I just looking at your YouTube, I mean, family seems like a very important theme mm -hmm. or, or uh, I guess it's your, it's your anchor. You would say mm -hmm. like how, how, influential would you say is like maybe your 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 parents or your your family and in, in influencing the stories that you want to tell and, and your artistic right. vision yeah 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 no absolutely family is everything uh for me and and i've i've learned that getting older and and finally learning and understanding like hey like oh that's so embarrassing i have to tell my friends to take off their shoes when they come to my house or like we're just having rice and like spaghetti or like anything like super filipino or asian experience um, now that I'm older and I have perspective, I can be like, wow, like, this is why we did these things. This is why we lived the way that we did. And so the stories that I wanted to tell are stories of, um, of immigrants, are stories of colored people, of, um, the minority. And so anything that I get really invested in when I read a script, um, hopefully it has something to do and it probably has something to do with because it, it revolves around family. Like Shang-Chi was a movie that I absolutely loved and adored because I saw so many um, like reflections of myself, of my family, of the journey that my family took to get to where they want to be. So um, stories of just of immigrants um, and, and colored people mm. are stories that really fuel me because I can find some sort of relation to what I've gone through, what my family has gone through. So um, if I can find a blockbuster movie that, you know, is like Shang-Chi or is like mm. uh, Black Panther, you know, I, I would fall in love with it even more. But stories that just talk about the struggle um, and how people have gone through it and benefited um, from it and are better for it. Um, those are the stories that I want to tell. Have, uh, have you felt like um, has race do you feel like played a part in 
sort of the opportunities that you've received in the film industry or in, in, in school and into the film industry? Or do you think not so much? Yeah. Does, has race right. played a part? Do you feel like, cause I, I had, I, I know there was another CSUN student I met um, and he, he made like this funny, like uh Instagram video about like, Oh, a white filmmaker versus a black film. He's black and he's mm-hmm. a black filmmaker asking, you know, pitching a story idea. Right. So like right. the the black filmmaker has like this, like this fully thought out pitch or whatever, and so and then the white filmmaker's like, oh, I don't know, I'm just gonna wing it, but like, and they're like, oh, here's a movie deal, right? Of course, <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, oh wow, I mean, I guess it's uh, yeah, it's because I as Asian Americans, as a, a Asian um, American filmmaker, I I I can I feel that I feel that for also for my my colleagues, um, that mm. it's tougher, but it's not impossible, obviously. And in some ways, right. maybe it can also be take, taken as an advantage, you know, like with diversity mm-hmm. programs and Correct. Uh, stuff like yeah. that. But h- how has your experience been? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not in a position yet to where I'm seeing these discriminations, these micro, um, aggressions, I don't know, aggressions or diversities yet. Um, so it's hard for me to speak on that, but I will say like, even in my own silos um, at school, um, I always find myself either like, and I'm probably wrong about this, but the way that I'm I'm seeing certain things unfold is like, I have a group of black filmmaker friends and then I have a huge group of Asian filmmaker friends. <laughs> and, you know, I look, I look at them and I see what they're doing and it's great. Um, and I almost, sometimes I feel like I, I don't get invited to projects or certain things because I'm not enough of Asian, ah. not enough of black. And this has been a theme of my entire life, like uh, all the time, even with identity is a huge thing that I've dealt with my entire life and I'm still navigating through it. Um, but like I said, even in my small silos, um, it may not be intentional because I don't think I would have friends that are racist, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, <laughs> But, you know, I, I can I can kind of see like when I look at a set and I'm like, oh, shoot, that's cool. Like everyone is black. And I'm like, wait, how come I didn't get invited to that? We're friends, too. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then I look on the other side. and I'm like, oh, cool. Everyone is Asian over here. Like everyone. And I'm like, wait, I didn't get invited to that either. Or like, how come there's not diversity within those two groups? Um, mm. I, I feel like I sit in the middle and I have to like voice my opinions and like navigate a world where I try to carry both on, you know, with with both of my hands so i haven't seen it blatantly in my face and like i said i I could be wrong about these things but i do notice that there is a space where i haven't you know i haven't felt um where i'm like loved for like oh cool like we need you because you're this and this and that or like or even there's not there's not like diverse filmmaker group where it's like oh everyone here is like half of this and half of that it's either like black or white. So I don't know. It, I, I feel like I may end up seeing that. Um, but like I said, the where I'm at in my career, I haven't, it hasn't been blatant in my face. Like, oh, you can't join because, you know, you're this or that. Mm. Like, yeah, sorry, Dan, go ahead. No. Yeah, I, I kind of, I understand that I, to a lesser degree, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fully Chinese. But mm-hmm. I remember going to business school and I wasn't really invited to like the, the Chinese group. Because mm. there was like a group of like Chinese who were immigrated here. But right. I wasn't part of that group. Oh, but wow. I wasn't really part of like the American group either. <laughs> right. And then, you know, there are some Asian Americans, obviously, were friends, but mm-hmm. they actually had, the, they, you pick a lane, right? Right. You kind of do. Yeah. 
you have to either align with yourself with like the the immigrants you know the oh, foggy people yeah. or you align, align yourself with like the americans and just americans, like go that yeah. way oh, so yeah. you just have to pick a lane it's yeah and it's it's so unfortunate um but I think these things, they exist, obviously. You yeah. know, if, if you're feeling it and I'm feeling it, you know, I, I think that there's there's some validity to it. It's, there's truth to it. Yeah. Like, uh, like no joke, no, um, at CSUN, in one of my mm-hmm. uh, MFA classes, I was voicing my opinion on another, I was giving a critique on another person's work. Uh, we're mm-hmm. giving notes, right? It's a giving notes section of the class. And the teacher, uh, a white uh, Jewish guy, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he said, Oh, do you think that way because you're Asian? <laughs> and I was oh, like, "All right, well, oh, okay, wait, hold on." Like, I was, I didn't know how to take that, that right? Because I was just like, I was in shock. I was like, "Wait, how?" First of all, I was trying to rationalize it. Okay, wait, how yeah. did I say was it Asian? You know, I was rationalizing it. Like, did I say something mm-hmm. about Asian culture in my critique or right? No. It, it, no it was that was kind of a racist and then one of my classmates mm-hmm. um um she she voiced like and she uh she's like she's like uh part brazilian but she she's white passing and, and um and she's like that's racist you know and and um and she backed me up but i was just like really shocked by that you know that was, it, oh yeah yeah let, let me I ask think, you a question about that yeah. james yeah I, I'm, I'm very curious about this if the professor had voiced it in a different way mm. um the same question, right? The same idea, right? It is like, is, is it because you're Asian? Rather than saying that as like, do you think you have a different perspective because of your, the way you were brought up, of the culture that you're yeah. brought up in? And then so the same question might come up, even though that guy had no tact. And then if it's phrased a different way, would you have been offended? Out of my own curiosity, I'm, right. I'm asking you genuinely. Yeah, so that was what, like almost that was 2007, 2016 or so, so six years. I think now I'm a little bit more, you know, especially like, you know, this conversation about cancel culture and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think I'm a little bit more open to that conversation. Like, okay, if he had phrased in a way oh. where like, yeah, for me personally, it, even with this podcast or the stories that I tell, um, I feel like similar to Maddie is like, my background is is a big part of of what i do what i do you know mm-hmm. and so and yeah because i'm asian and you know an asian american there's there's a yeah that that if if it was spoke it was if it was said it voiced in that way with more tact definitely i would i could have that conversation but i guess in that mm-hmm. situation i think he was trying to be like funny smug about it and you could sell oh. like tell from his body language he's like smirking <laughs> He's like, oh, is that because you're Asian? And he's trying to be funny in uh, like a non-funny um, it's also context, right? We're we're right. giving notes and, and yeah, so so in that's in that context, it was not appropriate. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it, I I understand that. I mean, I, I grew up in San Diego and it was at mm. the time it was very white. Yeah. Right. Uh, and only other Asians were um Vietnamese ing- Viet immigrants. Mm. And then so I know that some of my friends might say some things that are like a little tactless in the yeah, way they yeah. say it. Oh, right? Okay. Okay. But because they're my friends, I'm not going to be like offended mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more or less, I would just like give it back to them. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But Being in your skin, situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. In your situation, not thick skin, but it's just because it's like your friends and you know what, 
first of all, if your friends are like being assholes and they're <laughs> doing this out of spite, that's what that's a different problem that you have. Right, 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 you know, right. Why are you hanging out with these people? But mm-hmm. if your friend is genuinely curious about like, hey, is that a Chinese thing to do X, Y, and Z? I was like, well, you know, probably mm-hmm. is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Matt, Maddie, like USC, USC, like Dan, was the same for you? When did you go to USC, Dan? Like in the mid two thousands, in the early two okay. thousands. So oh, I'm, cool. That what, what's so the what's what's the demographic like? Like Dan, for you and Maddie now, like what, what's the demographic mm-hmm. like at USC? I'm assuming like fairly well. Well, this, what is it called? University of Spoiled Children? Is that what the, the acronym <laughs> is? Or yeah, or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they um, say, yeah, 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 yeah. Or is it yeah, what uh, was what was it for you, Dan? I'm interested too. Like, what was the demographic yeah. in in your program in your school? There, I mean, it was a very good mixture, actually. Um, mm-hmm. There weren't too many African Americans. There, were, I can mm-hmm. probably, I think there were maybe three or four that I remember. Mm-hmm. There aren't that many Latino either, right. but there were quite a few Asians, mm-hmm. um, both immigrants as well as Asian Americans, right? Um, and then obviously uh, Caucasians. Mm-hmm. But the mixture, let me let me try to think about how the mixture was as, and then there were a lot of um Indians. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, um, I know they're Asians, but you know they're, they're considered like South Asian. I don't know if the, the people keep segregating and changing it's, the way. It's a very yeah, that's a huge interesting topic for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, they keep changing I, right, the right. way to portray it. Right? They're they're Asians, but then. Now it's like they're South Asians, and, like, and then like yeah. Filipinos are Pacific Islanders. I, right? I was yeah. just about to say, growing up, I swear, like I was like, I felt insulted if someone was like, "Oh, you're Asian," because my grandparents were like, "No, you're Pacific Islander." And I'm, <laughs> so growing up, I was like, "No, I'm Pacific Islander. I'm not Asian." But now yeah. it's like, it's like I don't know. I don't want to say it's flipped, but it's like I am acceptance of Asian. Like I, that's yeah. definitely one of the first things I would say. So it's so I don't know. It, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so going back to your question, I think it was a you know a good thirty to forty percent Asian, you know, mm-hmm. nice. Asian Americans, immigrants, and then South Asians, and then um, Ali Wong. Have you seen the Ali Wong special, the very first one? Yes. By the way, <laughs> yeah, where she calls um, jungle Asians, and she makes <laughs> yeah. that differentiation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things where you can only make a joke if you're actually mm-hmm. one of if you're actually right. Right, from yeah, southeast yeah. asia yeah so yeah in any case yeah it's, it was a good mix it wasn't like predominantly white i, I think if right. i went to um university of michigan might have been different. oh yeah absolutely I or agree. indiana yeah. you know somewhere where like in the south if i went to somewhere like mm-hmm. vanderbilt it might be different i don't know right. i can't be sure but right. i just think la being as multi uh, multicultural mm-hmm. as it is it's going to be very pretty diverse. But is is your yeah. MFA program pretty diverse or? It's pretty diverse. I would honestly say that uh. at least 30, 30 to maybe forty percent are Chinese. Like, there's so many Chinese. Specifically Chinese. Okay. Like specifically from Chinese. Um, because they have money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think the there are more Chinese that have um come over from China that there mm-hmm. than there are American. Chinese. Yes. Um, which I think is great because I've learned so much and some of my best friends are Chinese, which I absolutely love. Um, but yeah, the the dem- demographic is interesting. It's there is more Asian than there is any other race for sure, yeah. I think. Mm. Um, which I again I think is just lovely because I've 
I've learned so much, um, not only from like a filmmaking standpoint, but just about life and about way and about the way that, you know, people navigate the world on the other side of the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Have, have you seen Ronnie Chang's first uh, special on Netflix? I don't think I have. Oh, uh, I think I go and watch that. Is okay. that the Amazon one where it's like, I want Amazon now, not Amazon Prime. I want Amazon like in my face. Is it that one or? I Well, there's a one. Well, he's like dressed in like, like a really nice suit, almost like a okay. tuxedo. But um, <laughs> one of the things he said is is like, we are, Chinese people are like a fifth of the population. Or it's not only mm. a fifth, but like an eighth of the population. So what we do is the average Oh but yeah, you guys are not. You guys are not the average. What if I drive? That's like, amazing. That means that that is the average. Yeah, this I is see what you're saying. What you're starting from. Yeah, <laughs> that is so cool. So I I want to watch that now. Yeah, the, there's I feel like there's there's some truth in that. That's that's amazing. That's because so, we, we live in a a, a white centric world, right? In, yes, in America, I so like. we view everything like oh, everything has to be from this perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in reality, right? When Asian you exactly make up a big portion of the population, like um, like a Chinese people are a big majority of the world population. Indians are a big majority of the world population. Yep. So they should actually be the the standards should be shifted, right? What the average? Yeah. Is. Correct. Yeah, that's so true. So for like uh yourself uh, what where are you at now and what 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 what's uh what's what you're working on go danny so go danny go that's your senior thesis are you guys yeah. in coloring right now has it been completed are you you're screening it at festivals now or yeah we actually just um screened it for the first time on campus last week um so it's done with color it's done with sound we've mixed it they've mixed it down to stereo and they have 5.1 mix as well so everything is pretty much complete um, and we're going to start submitting it to festivals. So hopefully 2023, yeah. um, it, it, I'll have the opportunity to actually do like a film festival circuit, which I've never done. So I'm excited to see what doors can open up from there and what people I can meet. And hopefully it, it will allow me to travel. That's great. Yeah. And now festival, cause I, when I had my short film released, uh, was congratulations. Sorry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it, it was, I watched it earlier today. It's amazing. Oh, um, oh thank you so much. I, I thought you. it was so beautiful. Um, I maybe miss my grandma like a lot. I was like, she would take <laughs> ah. care of me too in the same way. So I, it's beautiful, beautiful work. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate yeah. that, man. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. So that that was a tough time because of the, mm. it was all online screening. So I only yeah. had one um in person uh film oh, event, and I and I think yeah, I I, I wish you all the best with that because that's gonna be thanks. A, I think just being in person, meeting people who who've seen your work, and just being in their presence mm -hmm. or in the audience, there's there's right. nothing that beats that, man. Like, I mean, right. I right. know for me, that's one of the best feelings as a filmmaker. After all this hard, you know, grinding, you mm -hmm. get to see it with an audience. I mean, for you, like, what what are some of like the, what are some of the, I guess, uh, I guess on one side, like, kind of the the best feelings that you get. What 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 is the most fulfilling moments for you as a filmmaker or as a creative person like uh after you finish a work or or is it the work itself and right. also like is there any life lessons that you've gained um it doesn't even have to be film making related but any life mm -hmm. lessons you've gained having chosen this path yeah yeah um rewarding moments i think for me i'm so huge on like prep 
one of my friends the other day called me the king of preparation, which I was <laughs> so happy to to have those words said about me because I try really, really hard doing uh, preparation with like storyboards, um, overheads. Um, I will do everything. I will try to have every shot done in a 3D program. Um, and so I will light it in 3D. I will put the camera, I'll put the lens on there. Um, and I'll block it out as best as the director sees it fit. So that's really rewarding for me is like being able to, before we even step on set, like have everything essentially filmed um, oh. and rendered out so that I can look at the director and we can, you know, we can both be on agreement on like, okay, when we get to scene 15, you know, um, shot seven, whatever, um, this is exactly what it's going to look like. You don't have to worry about it on set. You worry about um talking to the the talent and I'll worry about everything else. So it's super rewarding to have all that preparation that I do that I try really, really hard for. And I feel like amongst all of my friends, I do the most prep. Um, so that mm. in itself, that hustle is rewarding because I know that the work that I'm putting in, it should be a one-to-one -one relationship when we get on set and, and the director feels comfortable with, with things. So that is something I'm super proud of. Um, and then just like, forging and creating relationships on set like meeting the talent having small talk with them having a uh, small talk and getting to know my camera department and the sound department um so just kind of like carrying good energy which i think i naturally have um mm. uh, that in itself like i'm so proud of who i am um, because I, I know my worth i'm at this point in my life where i know that wherever i step on set i know that i'm going to come in with a happy a good attitude um, and the willingness and readiness to kind of do whatever it takes. So I think that it's it's made me reflect on myself and mm. really be confident and like, okay, you're going to get good work, obviously, but you're also going to get someone who's always happy, who's always, you know, excited about, you know, spending extra time on trying to get this shot or that shot, whatever. Mm. <clears throat> and then what was the second part of the question? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Like oh, any, life, any kind of like sorry. life lessons. Yeah. Like have, have, how have you grown as a person since like those first times where like, oh, movies are just, they always existed to like now <laughs> where, you, where you're at now. Um, yeah. You're actually making, you're actually making these dreams that you saw as a kid. Like, um, right. like, but it's not easy, right? You've had to take mm -hmm. loans. You've had to, uh, um, you know, there's probably, it's also filmmaking is a very, like, you have to work with a lot of people and not all of them are the most easy to work with, you know? And so like, right. there's, so it, there's probably a lot of stuff that you've probably, you know, come across and maybe stuff outside of, you know, cause I know you were taking care of your, your father for a moment. Like mm -hmm. what are some of the life lessons that you've learned as an adult, not just as a filmmaker, but as an adult growing up, like right. where are you at now? You feel like compared to your outlook, maybe 10, <clears throat> 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, incredible world encapsulating question. Um, I think that <laughs> I'm not as naive anymore. I, I do know that people make films and I do understand that it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and it takes a lot of like mental capacity, like you were saying to speak on, you know, me helping take care of my dad. Um, I've learned that trying to balance family and things in, that you deem in your life very important with the the work that you do that's very important i've learned to try to balance it as best as i possibly can um and i don't feel upset when i have to kind of step away or put something a little bit aside for a project or because i need to help take care of my dad um so i've become more accepting of like the process of things once i understood that there was a process now that i'm here 
I know that there are certain things and certain steps for each and every process for family, for, you know, leisure time for work. And so I think I've, I've respected time uh, a lot more and and just understood Mm. that if I'm working on a project, I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to do the best that I possibly can so that this project can hopefully last an entire lifetime. Like, just like what iRobot has done for me. I want to create this world. I want to create a place, a safe space where people can go and find little elements of themselves in there. So Mm. I think just like appreciating time um, in general, just time with family and how everything all kind of, for me, at least as a filmmaker, I can pull from every piece of of, uh, experience in my life. And I can add up all of this time that I spent with my father. And then how can I use that to help tell this story like everything that i've done is all so relatable and i think if we all you know take a step outside of um the normal scope of our lives we'll see that there's so many patterns and there's so many things that can carry over that we can use like oh shoot i remember always having to walk behind my grandpa when he was like 94 and he had a walker walking down the hallway and i was running all the time i was a running kid and i'd always have to wait it'd be like gosh Darn this old man. (laughs) So I I feel like I learned patience right there. Like, like Um, my grandpa was like, unbeknownst to him, he was teaching me patience because I couldn't run down the hallway as fast as I could. And so like, I've carried that out in my life. I've been like in moments where I'm like, I just want to get this done. We've been here for 14 hours. I'm ready to go home. I think back to like, okay, I'm behind my grandpa. It's going to be okay. Just know that you've been in this place, not in the same space or whatever. Um, but you've been here. So just recycling all of these experiences, I, I think has been so beneficial for me as I move right. forward and I get a little older in life. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess we are winding down. Um, yes. Dan, Dan, did you have any other questions? Or Yeah. Where did you get that jacket from? <laughs> is that Vegeta? <laughs> it is yeah. Vegeta. Wait, yeah. Go this way. Vegeta. There you go. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I got it from... Um, what's it called hot topic or one of those stores okay. in the mall i saw it and i was like i love dragon ball z of course <laughs> so i had to get it so favorite, it's one of my favorites and i thought i would wear it <laughs> favorite character Ooh, Ooh. I, that's I, a tough right? one yeah you know growing up it was always trunks um but uh-huh. i think um now that i'm older it's goku i just love how he's so kind-hearted um <clears throat> and how he does things not for himself um but he's always trying to better himself to better the community yeah. better the world his family so no nah, you're to wrong like... vegeta all the way bro vegeta <laughs> all the way I know. get out of here goku <laughs> goku right? too too perfect vegeta right selfish <laughs> uh but times of of selflessness when he like hit trunks and said that's, you know what i don't so want you to fight though. with me right dude that father-son moment i was like fuck this, this is making that. me cry day, <laughs> yeah seriously though <laughs> so i try i try to pull from each character you know are there okay. any anime that you're watching now um i Chainsaw man you know, i'm I watching started that man. yet i haven't I, started uh, yet. i've been waiting i've been waiting i don't know what i'm waiting for but um that's on the radar for sure i just finished watching dr stone i don't know if y'all have seen or heard mm, of that one no no um it's pretty good it's actually really good i, I liked it dr stone um, is a slice of dr. life stone. or a medical or um it you, is uh, uh, i'll try to describe it because I, I don't know how to particular uh, category not that it's super hard um, but it's about the world. Um, everyone turns into stone <laughs> for some weird phenomenon. And so Dr. Stone, this character, he's the first one to like break out of it. And it's been thousands of years. So they have to start from ground zero with technology. 
And so he figures out how to unstone everyone. Whoa. So he's going around, he's pouring this this like serum on people and they're breaking out of the stone. And then like, what happened? Like, why is why is there no more technology? So he has to like save people's lives while also creating a safe community that is led by science, that is led by like um, education. And so he's so smart that he's he creates fire again and like the wheel and like everything. So it's kind of cool to see almost the world rebooted again mm. right yeah it's like a really happy positive one which i'm a sucker for this <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> all right i'll check that out i just yeah. i just signed up for Crunchyroll just just Let's so go. i could watch yeah yeah just so i could watch chainsaw man my the students that i teach they're all mentioning it and i'm like okay fine i'll go check Gotta it out it. Right. yeah and and like it's kind of like um what's the word mm-hmm. nichibyo like kind of nichibyo. so nichi nichibyo means like um uh nichibyo over funny listening to her and speak in Mandarin and Japanese at ちゅうにびょ。ちゅうにびょ。あ、sorry。sorry。ちゅうにびょ。ちゅうにびょ。そう、ちゅうにびょ。そう、ちゅうにびょ。ちゅうにびょ。ちゅうにびょ。ち
like sort of like, oh, there's these coordinated attacks are happening. So maybe devils are not mm. as stupid as they seem to be. You know, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. That sounds really Dan, are you watching any anime right now? or um, ch- Just Chainsaw Man. I, I still oh, cool. started Jujutsu no Kaisen on HBO oh, yes. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. I haven't finished that? it. Is it good? You recommend it or that's it's a good movie. It's, it's a good it's similar in the sense of to Chainsaw Man that they're like exercising demons and like stuff like yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. They're yeah. not making contracts to bond with them though. Okay. <laughs> except for the except for one guy. One guy kinda did. Yeah. Swallowing a piece of a, a demon. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So. Was that like the finger or something? That was by choice yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of weird because like he he was just even before he did that, he was like already superhuman. He didn't really right. care about pain and just like did things and it just became over the top in that way. But <laughs> yeah. Anime is gonna be over the top. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So um one thing like we're gonna start doing is maybe asking uh, asking our guests um we're called yin and yang podcast so like you mm-hmm. know kind of like yin and yang uh yes yeah what's what's something in your life that you're you're that's helping you stay balanced you mentioned balancing Ooh. work and family and uh, your, your father's doing better now he's doing okay or um with his condition he's consistent so i mean okay, that's all okay. that we can ask for yeah, yeah 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 that's great to hear um but yeah is it is how do you, how do you stay kind of balanced in your life what, what are some things that you do do you meditate do you do you go for walks or like what's something that you mm. like to do yeah yeah I, I think for me just by virtue of living in los angeles i drive a lot <laughs> Okay. So um, I think for me, it's just like really putting on a podcast or like listening to music and really trying to uh, find balance as I'm driving because, you know, driving can can make people go crazy out here. Yeah. Um, but I think I found happiness in just sitting behind the wheel and having control. So I think just for me, balance has been just understanding my role in the world, in this car, on this freeway, and just understanding that every little thing that I do, um, you know, really dictates where I'm going in life and what I'm doing. So in a sense, I, I'm not, I've never really meditated, but I find driving for me is very meditative. It allows mm. me to really just kind of focus in and and put things in perspective. So I would just say- What podcasts? Um, I only listen to one, believe it or not. <laughs> and it's just a cinematography. <laughs> it's a cinematography one. Um, it's called Wandering DP. Um, oh. This guy, he, he interviews cinematographers who are currently working. So they talk about not only the techniques, but about like what the lifestyle is. Like um. I have kids now and I'm a cinematographer, so I have to take these kind of jobs or like, you know, I don't have kids and I'm able to do this. So it really puts things in perspective oh. um, with what I want to do. So it's, it's really cool to hear lighting techniques and all that, but I'm starting to understand that the ramifications of like the choices you make as a cinematographer and like oh, what, what you can do with your life as you begin to move in certain directions in the industry. Yeah, Deacons has a podcast too. Like my <clears throat> yes, my yeah. friend was trying to turn me turn me on to that. And then um yeah. You ever you ever get into like Bradford Young stuff? He did a rival. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um yeah. I haven't studied as much as I would like to, but I yeah. have seen a rival. Um I don't know if he's done anything super recent, but I love his work and it yeah. um it's something that I'm still trying to figure out like how he does things. Um and right, how can that's I another... like, glean from that. 
yeah another cinematographer of color right like yeah <clears throat> mm-hmm. one of the few is he yeah there's yeah one of the few honestly black, i yeah. yeah i don't know too many if i'm being 100 <laughs> percent honest he's yeah, about the only black one that cinematographer. i can name. yeah yeah cool man um so the last section of our podcast uh we do like a language corner um oh yeah so yes. yeah i sh- i shared a little bit of I guess it one fun instead of like a a word or something that you're learning, maybe like can you do mm. like a jiko shokai, like a self like a mini self introduction Japanese or yeah, or is that uh, too much? I yeah, can, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think I could do it. It's 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 not very it's not yeah. a whole bunch, but I was even sure. thinking about it like before, like, oh what if what if James puts me on the spot? Yeah, yeah with the Japanese <laughs> right? stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess uh uh yeah, I mean uh, just, here I, I, I yeah. Yeah, um, I can give I can give a basic one now, so I could say. Oh hey, yeah, yeah. Well, James this. Ito, ima wa sanju hasaides. Ito, ito ramen skides. Tame mono wa shumi wa ito judo, ito jujitsu, anime to ka ito ah nani sore ito ito nihongo biankyo shite mas ito. Dan, do you know Japanese yeah, too? Yes, um, yes. Oh, God, I'm even more pressured now. Oh, my gosh. Watashi wa Daniel desu. Shimi wa surfing to kanfu. Ato, ichiban ski na tabemono wa yapari kare daisu. Oh, kare daisu. Nice. Wow. So, um, yeah. So Shumi being hobbies, right? Yeah. So, uh, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Maddie. Yeah. You, whatever you're comfortable with. You, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say, um, Konnichiwa, Minasan, Maddie, this. Uh, I don't know how to say filmmaker. Filmmaker, this. Uh, the film, oh. I guess you could just Japanese it, like katakana ego. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. uh, filmmaker. <laughs> Film, film, メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。メーカー。
like um, basic. Yeah, I think yeah my vocabulary is very limited. You know, it's all only. good. Yeah, yeah, same, same. But um, I don't know. I just I use like the I guess some of the phrases that I can say that I use, and I speak to myself. It's just obviously like oh yeah bye like that's cool. No, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah bye is a good one. Like, yeah. Oh, so this name, so this name. Oh, this name. Oh, it's interesting. Or like oh, that's that's funny or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, growing mm-hmm. up, yeah bye was like oh that's bad. Oh, it has like yeah. two meetings. Right, That's right. It's a connotation, right? I think. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah bye. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> it can mean oh shit. Yeah, bye. Right, right. So, like the so, older generation, I think the older generation they don't like hearing yeah, the young, the younger people saying yeah bye. I guess yeah, as a, like a cool thing. Like yeah, as a well, cool thing. To, I mean, we yeah. do, oh, I we, see. We do it in English though. That oh man, that's stupid. Right. Oh, that's bad. You know, like that's oh, bad. Man, oh, that's, that's bad. bad. Yeah. That's bad as in good, right? As like, in oh, good, damn. yeah. That girl's body is bad, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's badass. Oh, know, that's badass. So, that's yeah. stupid. Right. <laughs> right. And then they even take out the the E part, like, yaba, 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 yaba. Like, mm. instead of, yeah, yaba. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, Maddie, any last words? Anything you want Anything you want to plug right now that you're working on before we, we sign off? Yeah. Um, only thing I can think of is probably that's accessible right now. It's just yeah. my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. Probably check that out if you want to learn more about me and my family and the things that I'm up to on a weekly basis. I do weekly vlogs every Wednesday. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, uh, Very cool. check it out. It can be fun. Who knows? Maddie, uh, Maddie, M A T T Y Beeves, B E A V S. Yes. Uh, with a space in the middle between Maddie and Beeves. Yeah, I checked it out. Um. And yeah, you put up. Yeah, I I I'm inspired because you're putting out stuff like from even from years ago that you haven't released Thanks. recently. Yes. Yeah, so I saw I saw yeah. Kid Famous and I saw oh cool cool, cool. Ch- yeah Kid and then with the one about f- with fame with yes I, I really yeah. like that whole opening sequence where he has the introduction written on the box. That's like right. oh you saw that you noticed yeah yeah so cool. yeah I was just like <laughs> whoa that's pretty creative yeah 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 thanks yeah uh, that's so cool that you watch I appreciate it that means a yeah, lot. Man. But um, yeah, that's where you can see a lot of my work and just, I, I don't know, get to know the the person behind or on the screen or whatever. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but right, thanks, thanks for this Maddie. opportunity, though. Seriously, I appreciate it. It was fun talking with you both. And right. uh, yeah, I, I look forward to maybe doing it again in the future. Talking about awesome. After Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> After Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Peace out. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Yeah. Take thanks, care. Y'all.